you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hi, everybody. This is Melissa. And this is Dane. And we're so happy to be back with you guys, hanging in there with our crazy podcast. So we're getting ready to go to California for a month, and we're getting these podcasts done a little ahead of time so that we can go and I was thinking trying to think of a good topic for us today and I was thinking earlier with a student that was here how many steps and pieces we've done on this physical property we've been here seven years now yeah this week we've done a lot we moved in seven years ago this week hard to believe one thing I remember is when we bought this and we were telling personal friends because we moved off of my five acre place down here to the 40 acre place and a lot of our friends were like really at our age because they were the same age we were at our age you're going to take on a bigger place I remember laughing at that thinking yeah I plan on being on the planet another 30 years what's your plan you know? right <laughs> kind of yeah. funny kind of funny and really this is less work than our old place I agree a whole overall, lot less overall our other one had trees like a jungle so it was always a lot yeah. of tree tree maintenance and stuff but when we decided what what happened two things happened Molly passed away and so staying in our former home which was a beautiful Tuscan Italian custom home and very fancy barn that I built and it was all it was all pristine and beautiful right at the base of the Rocky Mountains. But the program had grown, the certification program right, had grown right. so much that I felt like it was time to find a campus. You know, get out of the house where I raised Molly, which helped me emotionally, but also to find a campus, create a campus. Right. We had, uh, well, the house was way too big for two people. Well, there's that. Yeah. yeah, it was a big house. But but we were then housing students a lot of times for the right, course. Right. It was half yep. hotel, half house. It, it was a lot. And how many farms did we look at? First of all, our parameter was we wanted to stay within an hour of a major airport. So that, that was one, which meant we needed to be somewhere in a corridor. So we looked everywhere from the Fort Collins area all the way down south of, of where we live now, right, and right. all that. But how many places <clears throat> did we look at? It was fun. We looked at a lot yeah, of farms. Probably 30 places. Yeah, yeah. Right, over about a year and a half, yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. Over about two years. And uh, for those who don't know me well, I'm not a patient person. I want to, if I make a decision to move, I want to find the place to move. I don't want to look and look and look and look. So I think I fell in love with almost all of them just to get it done. You were you were lucky enough to have me to keep you, you grounded are, on you the whole situation. You are so true. You are so true. And we're very different temperaments. And so I could look at a place that was pretty bad and see what it could be, what we could make it into. And that's not how you roll. You look yeah, at like I'm what shopping, is. shopping, shopping, yeah, shopping, shopping, shopping. You're the shop forever guy. And I'm the get it done girl. So yeah, it was an interesting process for the two of us. But I also learned a lot from you because I remember looking at a few of the farms and I would say, well, we would put the indoor arena right there. And you said, well, the ground's not level at all. It costs quite a bit to level the ground. And I would look at a flat piece of ground and seriously, my brain doesn't see that it's not level. His brain sees that it's not level and what that would run. So we would look at it and I go, how do you mean it's not level? He says, if I put a ball on that end of that ground, it's gonna roll to this other end. Oh, that was a lot of stuff. There was one that was really cool that I really liked, but it had that cattail marsh on it. 
And you yeah, go, yeah, yeah, this time of year, that's great. Can you imagine the mosquitoes in the summer? I'm like, right. oh, good thought. So, yeah, together we had a whole brain. Yeah, sure. and then it was inundated with uh, <laughs> some type of varmint. Well, we looked at some that were being repossessed by banks all the way to some. that one I still am still to this date amazed by was south of Loveland, off to the right. It was the yeah, one that was yeah. so clean. I loved it. Yeah. Those people, you would want that husband and wife to be your dentist because they were so clean. And everything on that property was perfect. It was like if Disney World had a farm, it would be that farm. It was really beautiful. And the only thing I didn't like, this is going to sound crazy, but I don't like that the ground was flat. It was completely flat. And it was just like, okay, but that's there's only so much you can do. You know, I needed, if I'm going to give up the mountain view, I need rolling ground so that I can see the difference in the light. And I guess it's an artist's eye. I don't want flat ground. So we kept looking and looking. And then I found one down here in Elizabeth that I really liked, but you couldn't go that day. And so I don't remember. I think somebody bought it before we could get you back to look at it. Right, right. And then you came down to Elizabeth for a different reason. Why did you come down here? I think I had to buy like a liner for our property, for the ditch. For the ditch irrigation, that's right. Yeah. That's right, and the company was down here. Yeah. So you came home, do you remember what you told me? I'm not moving to Elizabeth. You said, of all the places we're going, we're never gonna live in Elizabeth, which is where we live. <laughs> so I didn't understand why. Now living here, I understand the part of it that you saw was a, a lot of small acreage places with too many animals on them, all kind of bunched and crunched together. And you thought that was the area. You yeah, thought was, that's all that was That out was sort there. of more into the agricultural type Right, you want property. to spread out. Yeah, 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 to be more spread out for sure. So we finally get a call from our realtor, Sandy, who's been a realtor for me and a friend of mine for a, a number of years. And she called and she said, well, there's another one that's on the market. She said, I haven't seen it myself yet because it's a good two hours south of where we were living. And she said, uh, but nobody's lived in it for two and a half years. I think it might be worth looking at because there's already an indoor constructed, etc." So we said, sure, we'll take a drive and go look. So we came down. And do you remember your first thoughts when you saw it? I loved that it was at the end of a road. That right. It was private and at the end of a road. I liked that. I was just thinking a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Saying that it was in rough shape is way too small of a comment, right? It right, was right, bad. Right. It was bad. The woman who owned it had moved quickly and she moved to the Northwest and really didn't finish the place out because of her decision to move and left it. Uh, the market was not the crazy market we've just gone through where everything sold really fast. And so it sat empty for two and a half, maybe more, longer than that. And so all kinds of varmints had inhabited the place and weeds had taken over and it was rough, 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 rough. Yeah, it was very rough. Yeah. The uh, T-pole entrance is one of those big poles. How big were those tel- those poles that did the yeah, entrance bar? How 16 many inches? inch diameter. Probably 16, maybe larger inch diameter poles that went up and created the T-bar across the entrance. And it was leaning to where every time we drove under it, it was like, okay, we know somebody's going to be driving under that the day that thing falls. So it was leaning in a very bad direction and ready to fall over. When we pulled in, you couldn't see where the roadway 
um, the farm was like, how do you drive down to that barn? Like, where where are we driving in pasture? Are we driving on a road? Or should we be driving here or there? Is this a lawn? There was no yeah, way to tell. And the grass was what? Like waist oh high? Oh my God, at least. It yeah. was crazy. And, uh, and it did look like a property that somebody left and never looked back. And the front porch of the house, do you remember that? That was, I think, the first thing we had to do. Yeah, it was like leaning way down almost sort of falling off it was possibly. coming off yeah. the house yeah it was coming off the house the back slider door inside the house was so scratched she had a pit bull rescue and the dogs had scratched the back door you could barely see through the glass they had scratched it so much trying to get in the house so we replaced that and a number of other things i remember when the inspection guy came because we were going to have it inspected because it was obvious the house needed a lot and I went to turn the off-on light on the exhaust fan hood above the stove, and I pushed the little toggle switch, I pushed on to see if it worked, and the whole thing fell down on top of the stove. So yeah, it was, it was, um, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was in very bad shape. We turned on the water, I remember turning on the sink water in the bathroom and gagging from sulfur. That right, sulfur right, smell. Yeah. Oh dear God. We're on a well and the well hadn't you, you can't just close faucets off for two and a half years and think they're gonna smell good. They don't. So that sulfur ran for the first couple weeks. We had to put chlorine in the well right, and do a right. bunch of treatment stuff on it. So the reason that I thought it would be a good thing to talk about this is because I think that, you know, I, I'm a visionary. I always have a lot of vision in my mind when I see something like this. I saw the potential of the farm as our new campus. And I do remember you and I walking the perimeter that day. We walked the bridal path perimeter and looked at it. We went through it with a fine tooth comb. Then we were pretty exhausted looking at the to-do list, sat on the front porch that's falling off the house, kind of wobbled on that laughing. And I said, as crazy as this is, I feel like we found our next home. And you said, I know it's crazy and I do too. It's really the first place we both said, I think this is it. Yeah. As sad as the place looked, <laughs> I think this is it. So we made our offer and got it and started making a massive to-do list of all the things. And I think one of the first was I hired a guy to spray the weeds because we couldn't see the roadway. So he came in, found the roads and sprayed the weeds so that we could get off of that. So yeah, so I remember we purchased this place, but to get this place, we had to get a loan against your other oh, yeah. house. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it a, was like I have a selective good. memory. Not good. <laughs> I have a selective memory. Yeah, I went way out on a limb, you know, financially for a while to do this because I owned my other farm free and clear and it had been for sale for a, for a while, it, not in a quick market, like I said. And I definitely was motivated to get out of there and get on with our life and get on to a place. We were married then, and I didn't want to have the feeling of you living in my property. I wanted an us property. I wanted something that we could both decide where things would be kept and how things would be done. It's just a different feeling. So I was eager to get us on in our life. And so I told you, I said, I 
I'm gonna take a loan out against the free and clear property in Boulder, and when it sells, it'll get paid off, and I'm gonna make an offer on this place, and financially, it turned out that we bought it in a way that we could go for about nine months or so before that would be a bad idea. Until then, we had bought it under the market enough to make that work, and so that's what we did, and I had a choking mortgage for what, eight months, I think, until yeah. Tollgate sold and our other house sold and closed escrow and all of that. So it was it was a risk. It was definitely a risk. And at the same time, I knew it was exactly what we needed to do. But I also had a choking landscaping deal that I had uh, taking care of both <laughs> properties being an hour and a half from one oh another. Oh my God. You're whining now, but you never whined then. No, God no, bless no. You. you never whined then. So yeah, so that now we have a house... An hour and 45 minutes apart, and that house up there still was for needed sale. Those, it yeah. was for sale, so it still needed to, and we didn't want it to turn into this, so it still needed to have the weeds and the trees trimmed and the lawn done and the patio sprayed and check the house out and make sure there's no leaking, and we couldn't just completely abandon it, and we moved a lot of things down in stages too, so it took a long time to physically get us moved down here, get all of the hay moved, get all of the the tractor moved, all of that stuff was and, and all of our junk and all of our junk, not stuff you can necessarily leave for a moving company to do. They moved our home, but they're not going to move, you know, your horse blanket trunk and all that stuff easily. So yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> I'd be down here with some building crew doing something down here, and you'd be up there after work mowing the lawn and taking care of that place. Wow, it was a long eight months when you put it that way. It was a very long eight months. We got in here, and the basement was unfinished. Totally. Totally to unfinished. But you had a vision. You had a vision. I walked in, and I literally knew how I wanted it to be built out and hired a company to do it. And the basement is my training room. It's employee offices. It's my personal office. It's a big company. And so it needs its space. And so we've got about 2,300, 2,400 square feet of office space in this house that is this basement with a kitchen and a bathroom. And all that had to be built out. And so for a while, the company was run from the dining table in our dining room while we're unpacking boxes and I'm trying to stay employed, right? I walked through with the guy, told him exactly what I wanted, and I never made a change, which he was happy about. Never made a change. Everything's exactly the way I wanted it. I remember the day, my favorite color is lavender, and I remember the day that the painters finished painting it a very soft, pretty lavender, and you came down the stairs and you said to me, it's sort of feminine, isn't it? <laughs> I said, yes, it is. Female-owned company, female-run company. So yeah, it's a very pretty feminine color and and all the deep purples that we've added into it. It's been just an ideal It office looks great space. now. Yeah, yeah, it's been an ideal Very functional too. Yes, very functional for us and pretty and, and good. I've got two full-time employees that have their offices, I have a library, a kitchen, my office, a bathroom, and a really nice big training room right in the center of it. So another good really decision. Well. Another 
good decision, see? After you wanted to marry me. Yes, that was my best decision. For sure, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I think having that vision of doing that and knowing what we wanted to do. We live in an area that has a lot of pine trees, a lot of woods. But our particular farm, all the trees have been cleared years ago for it to be actually farmed. And so we put trees back. So we've done planting of tree, major planting of trees three times. One, we put our yurts in. And if you don't know what a yurt is, go to a great company called Pacific Yurts, Y-U-R-T.com, Pacific Yurts. They're fantastic. They're out of Oregon. I've had several yurts over my lifetime. We put three 20-foot yurts in, three full bathrooms with showers and private bathrooms for the students, built out a student center, put in a septic tank for that whole process, planted pine trees around those yurts which have doubled in size now our other trees were in our entrance when we had to move the tractor remember moving my old tractor oh yeah that was crazy (laughs) so i have this tractor it's a 1926 john deere it came on my cave creek property when we bought that ranch that tractor was there it had obviously quit one day and it was full of bullet holes it had become target practice in the desert. So it's got a bunch of bullet holes, no tires on it, no seat on it, you know, none of that. But it's a great old piece of art, basically. And I moved it from Arizona to Colorado on a flatbed with a boom truck, then moved it from my first facility in Colorado to the second one, which I was living in when Dane and I met. So then I said to him, well, now we have to move that tractor down to Elizabeth, which he gave me the typical male look of like, what? Let's just leave it here. Oh, no, 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 no. That's my baby. That's going. Well, to do it, we had to call Rocky Mountain Boom Truck and he came out with a big boom and we had olive trees. How tall were the olive trees? It had to go up and over. At least 30 feet. At least 30 foot tall olive trees. So the boom truck had to lift, tractors are heavy, had to lift this old tractor up and over. I've got it on video. Up and over the top of these 30 foot trees and down and then move it two hours down here and then offset it where we wanted it just inside our entrance here and i love that old tractor you've got your flagpole next to it yeah and some trees trees and a bench it's just a beautiful welcome to everybody i I think to the farm i put lights on it so at night has these sweet little fairy lights all over this old tractor so it's pretty fun one barn had i think two horses the smaller barn had had two horses in it She had llamas, and so all the pastures had the really good fencing with the wire and stuff to keep the llamas in. And then the larger barn, which has a huge indoor arena and eight stalls, well, seven stalls. One's a double stall open, but it would be seven 12 by 12 stalls in that. And so it was beautiful, and she'd never had horses in that at all, and no horse had ridden in the indoor arena. Right. So it was really unusual, and it had what I call a half-height wall, which my former arena that I custom built had a half height wall and I think that's one of the times I walked in and I went this is my place I knew it because of that half height wall which means the horses when they're standing in their stalls can see what we're doing in the arena and vice versa the walls just up about halfway so it's pretty good but another one of our big upgrades as far as work for us feeding the horses because we ended up putting these uh Nelson Waterers and he did Nelson Waterers. I thought the craziest thing in the world was that she didn't put waterers in the barns. Right. I thought that was because prior to that we had buckets in there with heaters oh, dropped in crazy. and crazy. Yeah. And you know, we were closing on it in July 
but I wanted those waterers done before mm -hmm. the first winter. I'm not going to stand out there with a hose and a frozen bucket mm -hmm. in the cold when it's, you know, below zero trying to get water out of a hose to a horse. Horses drink a lot of water. They drink 25 to 50 gallons depending on altitude and depending on condition and depending on time of year. So they drink a lot of water. And so to me, we've had Nelson Waters in all my farms. I love the Nelson company. And so it's pretty inexpensive to put Nelson Waters in when you're building the barn. It's expensive to go back after the stalls are built and have somebody channel dig underneath and put up. So yeah, it was a major expenditure in both barns but it's one we've never regretted that was yeah bar none. By, yeah by far we're like one of the best things we've ever done absolutely had to do it and i know some listeners maybe don't have automatic waters now i would tell you two things i've learned because i've built several custom barns over my career i've had a lot of different properties that i've put nelson's into one is the company nelson's the way to go they are i wouldn't go with a cheaper brand i've had nelson's on farms that I've sold and kept in touch with people that are 30 years old and they're doing great. So they're just a really reputable, good water company. They do give a recommendation of digging down into the ground for it. And they'll tell you based on where you're living, how far down you should dig. And I had a very wise cowboy tell me, double that. I don't care what they tell you, just double it. So my first Colorado property, it was at what they call specs. It was at what they were told. Oh, your freeze mark is four feet, you know? And so they went down four feet and that's where the stuff was. And they would freeze up. After that, when I built my three custom places, if it said four feet, I told the people, nope, I want you to go down eight. And they'd argue with me. Well, the spec says four. I said, I don't care. I'm a woman. I don't want to deal with a frozen winter time problem with my water for my horses. I want to know it's okay. So I've always gone twice as deep and I've had zero problems, zero problems. So I would tell you just double the number they give you as a spec because as we all know, the climate changes. You have one winter that's hardly comes at all and another winter that comes really tough. And the tougher the winter, the less you want a problem out there in your barn. So yeah, I that helps the, a yeah, lot. Yeah, I remember the guy that was doing it. He had like a water jet. Yeah. Where he was like was very cool. digging the holes and stuff. It yeah, was, it was very yeah. cool. It was really, he, he said, yep, I've put them in barns that are already built. And it's not the cheapest way to do it, but it's a good way to do it. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So we really needed some place to store all of our junk while we were still getting squared away. And Absolutely. So we decided to build this like 30 by 50, I call it my man cave. Is that why we built that? 
Yeah, because <laughs> it was full of stuff for the longest it time. It was. I would say seven years later, it's finally your man cave. I would say yeah. it had all the Christmas ornaments, all the extra farm equipment, all the boxes we just didn't feel like unpacking yet, all the decisions that it ultimately went to Goodwill. When my mom passed all of her stuff, when Kevin went off to college, all of his stuff. Yeah, I agree. You got stuck with all the leftover crap in that building you could possibly imagine. But now today, that's pretty cool what pretty you've good, done with Pretty that. good, pretty good, pretty yeah, yep. good. He's got a couple Lazy Boy chairs, big TV, big fans to keep it cool, a refrigerator. It's kind of where we all kind of hang out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And Even, then we got a heater in there, too. And a heater, too. Even in, during the pandemic, we would take the big garage door up and people would come over. We'd all sit a good distance from each other and, and drink beer and talk and complain about the pandemic and laugh about the world and yeah. and share and have some camaraderie. Not in our home, but at the man cave. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Some of my students this weekend said you had a little get-together in the man cave that they enjoyed. A little bit. But, yeah. But then they also had their own get-together because I welcomed them to take advantage of it. Because it was hot this yeah. week. We're cooled down now, but it got really hot like most of the country did. And we're, we're recording this in the middle of July and it, it got really hot all across the country. And so he told them, you guys can come on in here. The student center's not air conditioned. It's not hot, but it's not cool. And so he said, come on in here and, and loaf around. So they, they thanked you. They yeah. were really happy to have that sort of extra space to be able to do that for sure. But I, I remember also in the, uh, in the large barn, you needed like tack room and stuff like that in there. Oh, you know? yeah. And then, then came I remember our, our tough shed escapades, yeah, right? Because you wanted to build a tough some tough sheds indoors. And we, then they were like going, They're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a massive indoor, really beautiful sized indoor. And if you could picture box stalls along your right when you come up the concrete aisle on the right side are all the box stalls, seven box stalls. Then that stopped and there was a big open area where stalls could have been continued on down the barn. You could have put probably 36 stalls in the barn. And so the aisleway stopped and everything kind of stopped. Well, what they had done, I think, was store hay back there. But it also yeah. was a raccoon haven. It was just a mess. And all these raccoons had taken over this beautiful indoor arena, which she did a nice job of building, really put good footing in and, and all of that kind of thing. Did it, she did it well. She did it right. Remember, there were about 100 but pallets oh back there. Oh, my yeah. God. There had to be 100 pallets back there that made a great raccoon village. So they're all back there along with mice and rabbits and God knows what was back in there. And what I wanted was to take that big empty space that's that's next to the indoor arena. It's not part of it. It's, it's next to it, like off the aisleway, and convert it into a tack room. I didn't want to go to the expense of a bathroom in the barn because the other barn's not very far away for use in the bathrooms. And tack room. And then I had a lot of inventory because I write books and have all this inventory. So I wanted to have an inventory room I could lock up no, and, I wanted, wanted yeah, and I wanted a store and I wanted a store there's three okay. there okay. Yeah. so I was moving my store from my old facility over here so I wanted to do that so I called in the company Tough Shed who we love we've got I think 11 Tough Sheds on the property total and I said to them I said I want it inside the indoor and they're like well what about the pitch roof I'm like you can't do a pitch roof you guys are going to have to actually do it flat roofed under there they did a great job they did a really great job came in 
I love, love, love my tack room. It has a little ramp coming out the front. It's well lit. It's really positioned right. It's right across. I had a cross tie piece of concrete and a cross tie all custom built in there for saddling a horse and you know i've just done everything exactly the way i want it right so then the storage room and then the store so that store was the first four years we were here i think yep yep and we had signs and it was lit up and the students knew it was there so they'd go back and shop in it but the public didn't and it was really hard people were hesitant to go to the back of the barn area to go to the store so we reinvested and also we've grown fast and so we reinvested that's now our inventory control room and we have a beautiful store out in front of the indoor so that that new store is quite large on a nice pad well lit little porch in front of it but and, it used to be a small super, store super good yeah and now it's a nice size store so because we had to move that store in to put the feed in Remember moving that one in? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and that's the other thing when you're developing a farm, sometimes, you know, you make mistakes. So, yeah, I had put another tough shed where the store now sits. I put another tough shed out to store. I feed uh, pellets and grain and all that. I put a feed room, right? So I put this big feed room. So now that's where I want my store. So I had a guy come with a forklift and lift this giant tough shed and move it. I've got a video of that too. Move it inside the indoor and make a right and turn all around and set it in. And it is sweet. It's perfect. Yeah, it works it's great. exactly yeah. where it's supposed to be. So yeah, you know, my, my first husband was not a, a, a handy fellow. I'll put it that way. Great guy, not a handy fellow. He couldn't build anything. If he had to build a square box, he'd have a hard time handling the hammer. That wasn't his forte. So anything that I would say on our old farm, I'd say, well, I'd like to move that pole. It's in a really bad place. Oh, we can't move that. It's in concrete. So through my 20s and 30s, I bought that BS and then finally realized that concrete can be dug up out of the ground. Things can be moved. And that's the way I feel about it to this day. And you're always great about it. If I have a vision, you're like, yep, we can make that happen. We're going to have to do this and this to do it, but we can do it. So moving things around kind of doesn't phase me, I guess. Right. <laughs> Doing yep. that. Last year, I got a great deal on sawdust because we use bag sawdust. And at the feed stores, that stuff's so expensive. You can spend more on sawdust for stalls than you do feed. So I was like, I'm over that. And yeah. this woman Once called me. Once a month, me. I, yeah. was, I was going Going to... and getting 50 bags of sawdust. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. A lot of work. So instead, because we do have the luxury of this giant indoor, I talked to this woman. She said, I can bring you a semi-load and you can buy it wholesale. So I got a smoking good price, like less than half what I was paying for it before. And it ended up on two different ends of our indoor and it's stacked neatly and it's wrapped and it's totally protected. And that's where our sawdust is. And that's been a good six, eight months ago. So we're probably going to go quite a ways, you know, with that. We won't have to order sawdust for a long time. Now, because the students knew the yurts were in, fans, heaters, carpet, beds, pillows, blankets, little robes they can wear to get to the bathrooms, etc. One of the things I remember we needed to do was build a pathway of some sort for them to go on to get, no matter what time of year, to get across to the student center. It's not very far, but to get across to the student center. So you found a guy to come do sidewalks. Bunch of concrete work. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't want big sidewalks, like city sidewalks. Yeah, so he did them. Right. How wide are they? 
Uh, maybe two feet. Yeah. I'm going to say they're probably two feet wide. They're one person. You wouldn't walk hand in hand with somebody. They're one person. And they did the greatest job because they made them kind of... Uh, wind around. Wind, yeah. Through. Yeah. So the yurts are kind of like a little village. Yeah. And they wind all in there and then the trees are tucked into that. So that was really fun. And what else did they do? And a huge uh, concrete patio. Oh, yeah. Nice patio for our barbecue and... We have the students sometimes, you know, they need a place outside to sit as well as inside the student center as well as the arena to hang out. And so we, we did that. And then the escapade of picnic tables. That was fun. Yeah. Picnic tables. Got, <laughs> I ended up finding them online. Yeah. Yeah. In the Craigslist. end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But the process of finding picnic tables turned out to be tougher than we thought. Right. Because yeah. a lot of them you could buy were too cheap. Like right. It, um, it might have been easier just to build them. Probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're so handy you could have built them. But but a lot of them we looked at were really cheaply made. Like right. you know, if you buy them at a, a big box store, they're not going to last. These need to last through snow, people, like everything. Those are the heaviest, biggest picnic tables and so comfortable and nice to be at. So we've got three super long picnic tables on this patio. And then you put my little fairy lights above it yeah. for me so that it would be a super nice place. Do you remember when I said I wanted to add a bunch of fencing and you said, no, no, don't do that. You're going to box it all up. And we didn't argue about it, but you didn't think I should do it. And I wanted and, us to do more and, fencing. And you were right again. <laughs> I'm getting this on a recording. I'm going to love this in my assisted living someday. I'm just going to have somebody edit together all the parts where he says, and you were right, and you were right. But what I wanted was when you first enter the property, I wanted that not to be just an open field because it felt that way when we drove onto it. Like, where am I supposed to go? I wanted to build a really pretty curving fence down toward the barn area. So that's what we did. And that's an upper pasture that we have. And then on down, there was a sort of small yard. Maybe that paddock is probably quarter acre, maybe half acre. Half acre, yeah. Yeah, about a half acre. On the right, and she had a little flagstone walkway that went down from the house to the barn. There was one on the right. I'm like, it's screaming for one on the left. So it has a an A and a B feel and like a little pathway down there. So we put quite a bit of fencing in right away, but it gave shape to the property. Right, you know, right. Gave, gave shape to what we were building for sure. And then we put, uh, we ended up putting electric uh, fencing <laughs> in just because the gypsies kept uh, breaking the fence down. Uh, gypsy vanners. Gypsy vanners don't really respect fences a whole lot. I will, I will say that. I love my gypsies, but if their butt itches, they're going to rub on a fence. And fences do not hold up with gypsy vanners very easily because they're big. So um, yeah, you and Carrie and Jen, who were living on property at the time, yeah. went out and put that electric fence around that whole seven, eight acres that those mares have as theirs. And the upper one, when I had it built... We, right. we put it in the correct way on the upper one to begin with. So that, yeah, that was quite the project and they helped and they said they learned a lot working with you and how to do it. You had it like a little um, manufacturing yeah. production. Bam. It was, yeah, we knocked it out. You did. Yeah. He said, okay, you do this part and you do this part and I'll do this part. And you guys did. You knocked it out pretty yeah. dang fast for sure. We're really lucky to have a bridal path around the outside. The developer, original lady that had the place, she brought her perimeter fence in about eight feet 
short of what she had to and put her nice fencing in there. And what it created was a bridal path around the outside of the property. It's a walking path or a bridal path. It's really sweet and it's a beautiful view of, of the property that way. So I think it's episode 11 of our podcast is a hysterical one about our RV ventures around the nation, but we bought our first RV after we bought this place. And we needed a place to park it. And we started looking around for where we could rent indoor. We wanted it inside. We didn't want it just thrown on a lot somewhere. So we started kind of looking around for an indoor parking place for it. And they wanted like big bucks right, for parking yeah. these things inside. And they're a big investment to buy. So we went back to the barn builder and had our RV barn built. We, at the time, thought we should probably should have made it bigger, but... Both our RVs had been in there. They're heat. It was heated, so we didn't have to winterize it yep, in the winter. Yep. And now we're out of the RV chapter of our life, and so my Corvette sits in there, and my F three fifty sometimes sits in there. Right now, because of fire danger, it's hooked onto my horse trailer just outside of it. And different things for the company and all that are in there. So it's become a a really nice heated you know, storage area. I remember one of the first things we did when we got in here that you may have forgotten because it was not fun, but she had built a chicken coop out of the lean-to in the horse pasture. You remember right, that? Right, right, yeah. We call it the littles pasture because we have our minis and stuff in there. And so we had to have some kids come help us and move our entire chicken coop out of there. It which, was a which, which, mess. Yeah, it's like moving a tough shed. It was disgusting. But it's just but a it bunch was a of disgusting. amateurs. Amateurs moving it, yeah. But it was disgusting. Yeah. Chickens had been in there and nobody had cleaned it. It was bad. So anyway, we moved that to our, cleaned it all up, moved it to our backyard, I painted it the the colors of that I remember of some of the places in Mexico when I was in a child, kind of the pinks and teal greens and stuff. And you built the chickens a really big yard to run around out in the fresh air and go in their little house. And so we, we call it the chick in. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I ended up putting a, a roof and a big pen on it after learning a few things about chickens after... The fox got him the first yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, but it, now it's a really nice space and it can be kept clean and it's all, you know, it's all really, uh, I think, sweet for him too. We put but a labyrinth in? We did put a labyrinth in. We meaning you and I and what we call our herd of students. Yeah. We had one of our summits and actually each summit we didn't during the pandemic but we built it the year before we got all the rocks spaced it all out laid the framework you laid the framework out because your brain can do that easier than mine it was brilliant how you laid that beautiful labyrinth out and we had everybody paint rocks and add to the labyrinth so about every fifth rock or so right now is painted with some the artistry of somebody who's been here on property and we really love it and we're going to continue doing that for the labyrinth and we walk the labyrinth i my young quarter horse Raphael, not as big as my gypsies and i can ride him on that labyrinth i just the other day rode him all through the labyrinth did the entire labyrinth pasture from his back so that was kind of fun too moved our sound system we've got a killer yeah, sound yeah, system yeah. in that barn you invested a lot of money uh, in, in that whenever years. you bought it yeah i bought very it very first time god i bought it 35 years ago i think and it's incredible, the speakers, the sound system, the whole thing. So we blast a lot of good music down there and as well using it for the training so that clients can hear me and students can hear me when we're training. So it's a really nice sound system that we put in. 
Uh, we've got Wi-Fi down there. And then one of my dreams was to have a windmill. I know. And it didn't have to be a working windmill, but I wanted a windmill. I've, since I was a child, I wanted a farm with a windmill. And we happened so, to find one. So well, yeah, it was yeah. kind of funny how we found it. So you know, basically, the one we saw on the back of a guy's flatbed was already sold, but an employee of ours helped us get the guy's number and contact him, and he found one for us in Oklahoma, and he brought it back a couple weeks later laid on the ground for way longer than I wanted it to. And eventually you got a crew together and you guys did a windmill raising. Yeah, and it was, it was uh, beautiful. To, to their credit, they did a very good job. <laughs> you were part of it. You were yeah. part of it for sure. But I love it. It's really, really gives the charisma of the ranch for me. And we took down the falling down entrance T-post and built two really nice stone entrances with wagon wheels that my good friend Peggy and I found on a trip to Montana. So we were on a trip to Montana and we saw these wagon wheels in a store and I didn't know what I was gonna do with them, but I bought them and brought them home and we put them on the squares of the entrance so that the entrance could be, you know, super, super nice in there. After that, it's been more flowers and adding in things during the pandemic. I spent that year painting uh, birdhouses and we put in a bunch of poles and the birdhouses sit on top of the poles and I'm gonna have to continue painting some because some of those don't make it through the winter very well. But uh, they're all different colors, just adds a spark of color in the winter to have the little birdhouses and they're all different types. So we have a sign on our main drive once you're on the ranch that goes down to the barn says Independence Drive because I love to help people believe in themselves and find their vision and become more independent. And then somebody gave you a gift of one that says Man Cave Trail to go down the yeah, other way. Yeah, Man so Cave Boulevard. Man Cave Boulevard. Oh, excuse yeah, yeah. me. Why would it be a trail? It has to be a boulevard yeah. down there for you. So we have a lot of fun with the property. You know, to me, I guess one reason I wanted to say all this in a podcast is that, you know, farms can be a ton of work. But if you think of them sort of as a long-term craft project, then you're able to have fun with it and and kind of take your vision and go with it where you want and none of it happens overnight it takes a lot of Long time process. a lot of time a lot of time but if you do it with your vision and i think with everything intact and have fun doing it there's nothing really that i would change right now right nothing i would say i wish we hadn't built that there i wish we had done this differently right i think you and i are both really satisfied with every decision we've made so far but i think it's the way that you roll just taking the initiative of going forward instead of thinking about it like way too long and then never doing it right yeah yeah there's an old coaching expression ready aim fire some people will do ready aim fire and they go ready 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 aim ready ready aim aim ready ready they do that forever i'm kind of ready aim fire shoot i missed do it again ready aim fire <laughs> says kind of my personality is to 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 get it done i like to get things accomplished and done anytime that i can so thank you for all your help on this place baby. yeah it's been a work in progress you have done a ton and i'm grateful that you're my partner in life and that we can do these kinds of things together and we'll look back at it rocking in our rocking chairs one day and say that was a lot of fun to create yeah, that a lot of fun together you don't know that i have our next big project for the farm in my head yet do you 
I knew there was something in there <laughs> other than a few cobwebs. Well, I, I want to thank you. I went up to Bonanza Creek for that retreat, and Jim Voltseth has this beautiful 20-foot gazebo with rocking chairs all around and a fire pit in the center. It's just so perfect for people to sit and connect and enjoy life, and we need to build one of those on here. I'm just not sure where I want it. And then you'll be building it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! All right. Well, hey, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Our sponsor is Hope Through Horses, and we're deeply grateful for the contribution they make toward this podcast. And if you don't know who they are, go to hopethroughhorses.com. They are a wonderful nonprofit. And as a nonprofit, they need the public support for both people to come in to uh, enjoy the tuition into our program, but also for clients who need the services. We have certified practitioners all over the United States, Canada, and around the world. You can contact us at the office at Touched by a Horse anytime that you want to, and we'll find the perfect matchup of a coach for you to do the deep process gestalt work and leave your pain in the sand. All right, well, thank you so much for doing this with me today, baby. Oh, yeah. Hey, and I'm still killing weeds. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, you don't just kill them and they go away for good. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't work that way. Jeez, there's a lot of things in life I wish worked that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Happy trails. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.